At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Built for More, Church Beyond the Weekend, where we will see what the Psalms teaches us about how life is enriched when we live and serve in community with our church family. Pray for us as we transition into the Word. Thank you, worship team. Dear holy and magnificent Father, we thank you today. Father, we are so, so grateful that you give us a space like this to call on your name and, Father, lift you above all. Father, we thank you for the joy you give us deep down in our soul. Father, we're asking right now as we transition into your word that you would be with us. Father, that our hearts would be open for what you have to say, you and you alone. Jesus, we thank you. We praise you and we ask as we continue on in this service that you would be with us. You would be exalted above all and you would get praise, honor, and glory to you and you alone, which is due. It's in Jesus' matchless name we pray. Church, if you believe that, put your hands together. Shout amen. Amen. And amen. You guys can take your seats. Thank you, worship team. So thankful to be here with you guys. My name's Denzel. If we never had the pleasure to meet, I am the circus monkey around here, as you can see. I'm from the stage to here. Pastor Ryan told me I can get a week off if I sing and preach. So I'm trying to get a week off, guys. I'm trying to get a week off. Here we are. So thankful to be here with you guys. Uh, if we haven't met, welcome. We would love to say welcome to each and every one of you that are here. Uh, we're starting a new series here today, guys, and it's really exciting. Uh, as you know, we just continued a series and wrapped up last week. It was called Assembly Required. And what it looked like for us and why it's important for us to gather and assemble together. And today, we're launching a brand new series. As you can see, it's called Built for More. And it try, it's trying to paint that picture and get us out of the mindset that we're in, that we're built for more than just a weekend service. We're built for life outside of the four walls on a Sunday morning. And so today, we're going to be talking about this word called unity. It's not a foreign word to us. Many of us know it already. And today as we talk about unity, and I was studying and going through things, and it's, it's, it just draws your mind towards uh, sports. If you don't think unity when you think sports, what else do you think? And I don't know about you guys, but I'm saved and I know the way of the Lord. Yep, I said it. I'm a Michigan fan. And so, yeah, praise God. We got saints in the building. Amen. Amen. We got some saints in the building. First lady's looking at me. Did he say that? I did. Yep. So I know the way of the Lord. I love Michigan, and Michigan is the way to go. If you don't know it, um, shame on you. Shout out to uh, this kid over here with the Michigan jersey on. That is not, I didn't pay that kid. Thank you. Amen. He came dressed prepared for the word of God. Amen. So when you think unity, I, I, it just draws me back to Michigan, right? Uh, over the last 10 years, I have gone to many, many Michigan games, but never inside the dome, right? Never inside of the big house. It's always across at a golf course uh, where we tailgate and we watched it on the golf course. But it wasn't until a couple years ago, that beauty, look at her, she's so beautiful. That's my wife. Shout out to the blessings of the Lord. Yes. My wife, uh, a couple years ago, bought me my first tickets to the game, and it was, I was in the big house. Now, mind you, I've gone and I tailgated many games, but I never experienced the unity that takes place inside of the big house. And if you've ever been to a Michigan game, you know there's this moment, this, this raw moment that you, you feel a sense of oneness. You feel like you belong, and that's after a touchdown. And because there was a lot of people in here, we're going to fire it up here today. We're going to sing the fight song. You guys ready? 
Hail to the victor valens, hail to the conquering heroes, hail, hail to Michigan, the leaders and the best. Go blue, hey, hail to the victor valens, hail to the conquering heroes, hail, hail to Michigan, the champions of the West. Go blue, go green, yes, <laughs> praise God, <laughs> woohoo, yes. I'm so excited because I wasn't able to sing that first service because nobody was with me. It was like nobody. They were all looking at me like, if you don't sit down, then shut up. I'm glad the saints showed up to the later service. Amen. So just it's this oneness after a touchdown. That fight song happens and you feel like you belong. You feel like you're on the team. You, you just feel it. But whatever sport team come to your mind, whatever arena, whatever stadium you've been to, maybe it's the Lions or the Tigers or whatever, the Griffin Claws, whatever the case may be, wherever you have ever found yourself in a stadium, you feel that oneness. You feel that unity. You come together, you're celebrating one thing, and you're on the same uh, the track, and you're there for the same mission. But all of that, when you think about sports, none of it still compares to the unity we find in Christ. And that's exactly where we're going today because there's a, there's a oneness that God is requiring of his people. And we're going to see that simply here through the psalm right here. And it's Psalms uh, 133, and I'm so thankful that we're in this psalms here today simply because it is talking about exactly what uh, I just described to us. And so let's go ahead and read Psalms 133 as we jump into God's word today. If you don't have your Bibles, you can look on the screen with me, and it says, Behold. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. Guys, we're going to be talking about this today because I don't want you to think every time Pastor Ryan, uh, maybe he's beating a dead horse it seems like. But this is the body of Christ. When we talk about unity, we talk about groups, this is where we're going. Because I don't think God has called any of us to live, in a, life, uh, live a life where we're just doing it on our own. We're called to be in unity. We're called to live outside of the weekend. We're called to be in community. And so we're looking at this text here and a little backstory of what's taking place in here in this Psalms is that uh, this, first of all, is a song of ascent, all right? Psalms chapter 120 through 134 are songs of ascent. And this is a good place for us to check in because what's taking place in this particular passage is that there are Jewish families rallying together. Three times a year they come together for festivals, they come together for Passover and Pentecost and the booths and the Jewish families, they are all coming across the land and all across the world to do one thing. They might have different jobs, different occupations, but when they get to these festivals, they're gathering for one thing and one thing only. And that is to, that is to go and praise their one true God and be reminded of the covenant that they have with God. In Jerusalem, if you know it, why this is taking place, it's on the top of a hill. And so you get families that's coming from different walks of life, and they're all traveling the same direction. They're all going to the same destination to do one thing, and that is to be reminded of the covenant of Jesus. To be reminded of where they've come from. To be reminded of God being a protector and a healer for them. It is this sense of oneness. And Psalms 133 is a reminder of the amazing gift of spiritual unity that God has given the family of God. 
He's given us this unity, and that Psalms calls us to do just this, which is our big idea, celebrate the gift of spiritual unity. We're called to celebrate the gift of spiritual unity. This Psalms is turning us into something to look a little closer into what David is doing. And David makes this point to point out a few things here for us. And the first thing he does is he says, behold. And I don't know what that word means for you, but that means pay attention. Hey, I'm going somewhere. Follow me here. Behold. And then the next thing that he comes out is the pronouncement of the blessing for the brothers, for the saints, for those to gather in spiritual family. This gift can only be experienced within the body of Christ, within the same mindset, within the same goal in mind. And then he goes on to talk about this, this beautiful thing that you can find in spiritual family. He says that it's good and it's pleasant. When you think about the family of God, it should draw you to that, that it's good. It's a pleasant thing. It's an amazing feeling. It's an amazing thing for us to get together. I don't know about you, but I got a little weight on me, so maybe it's not me, right? But uh, maybe when you think about kale, when you think about uh, uh, Brussels sprouts, or you think about asparagus, I like pizza personally. But when you think about those things, those things are good and pleasant. It should also be the thing that draws you towards uh, that thought process when you think about the godly family that you have here within these corridors, here within Woodside Pontiac, here within the body of Christ. And this is what he wants us to see. The main thing David wants us to see out of point one is to come into the family. Today we're going to notice three simple things. It's come in, come with, and come be. And today the first thing that we're seeing is to come into the family. Why? Because it's good and it's pleasant when brothers and sisters get to gather together and dwell in unity. It's an amazing thing that David is getting us to see here. Let me ask you this question. Wherever you are in your faith journey or in your life, do you want to receive or be a part of a good and pleasant life? If you can say yes to that, you have to do a heart check today. This is not a beat you across the head uh, message, but it's something that if you desire a good and pleasant life, let me just break the false idolatry right now and tell you it's not through money. It's not through self, uh, self th- things you can do for yourself. It's all what you can find in unity of the godly family that we have. God is calling us to realize how good and how pleasant it is when we gather together in unity. The second thing we're going to see here is to come with. Come with harmony is our point two today. Uh, Verse one again, it says, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Not only has God given us the gift of family, he has also given us the, the, the gift of unity. And David is commending the family of God for living in unity and harmony that God has already provided for each and every one of us. It's not something that's foreign. It's not something that's new. It's, it's something he created. And we should all know this through the, the sending of Jesus and through the blood on the cross. God has already paved the way for us. And so you and I are called into harmony with one another. We're called into that. And let me just break this down for you right now. Uh, I don't want you to think that this is a perfect place. I don't want you to think that spiritual family is going to be this glitz and glam because it's not. Think about your family. I don't know about you, but I know my family. And man, if I could pay my way out, I would. But here's where I pay attention with harmony, right? It's the family that God has given me. Even though my family can be a headache, they can be the constant thorn in my side. My, everything that is negative, they can be all of that. They also can be good, but at the end of the day, when you step out of that and realize, man, it might not be the ideal family, but it's my family. 
It's the same harmony in the mindset that you and I should have when we think about the goodness and the pleasantry that we have as believers in the family of God. It's the same thing. We're to come with harmony. That doesn't mean we're not going to bump heads a little bit. That doesn't mean we can't disagree because when you think family, you think about those, those things as well, right? There's going to be times you don't agree. There's going to be times you think differently from one another. But the beautiful thing about it is we're going somewhere. And where is that? I don't know for you, but I'm trying to get to heaven. And if that means I got to push my opinion aside over here, that's okay. If that means that I got to reconcile with my sister over here, then that's okay. If that means I need to go seek reconciliation and ask somebody for forgiveness, then that's okay. Why, church? Because if we're a family that's called to come into harmony, then we have to die of ourselves. And that's not just in our personal faith journey. We have to think about the peace of the body of Christ that is within all of us. What am I doing that's hurting somebody? What am I doing that's hindering somebody? And, 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 and David wants us to pay attention here that he's commending them for what they're doing. Although they've come from many different places and many different walks of life, they're going to one place to do one thing, worship God. They're worshiping God in unity. They're, they're, they're holding on in harmony to the things that they have in common. Who is that? That's God. And they're holding on to that. And they're rallying together through these, these uh, festivals and the Pentecost and all of these many different things. And they're doing it under the covenant of unity. The beautiful thing that he's pointing out here to us to pay attention to when it comes to this covenant and, and talking about unity. It takes us to Exodus chapter 6 verse 7 and it says this. God gives this promise to the Jewish people. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am your Lord, the, uh, the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. The beautiful thing in this covenant of unity that King David is writing and getting us to understand is that he realizes they all come from something. Their unity is this, and our unity is this. You and I were in bondage. You and I were in sin. You and I were in shame, but we have been rescued. And we have this, uh, this picture to look towards and this thing to go towards to say, man, I used to be here, but I don't have to look there anymore. I can look towards the hills from which cometh my help. And he is trying to get us to understand that this commitment of unity is far greater than each and every one of us it's the bigger picture and I'm so thankful for this because the beauty of this thing that is taking place is that he's talking about this Old Testament thing that's taking place but if you speed it up to 2020 and where we are today it's the same covenant it's just a different different face the covenant was with God and man and people here but then if you fast forward it the covenant is through Jesus Christ it's the same thing. So when we look at this, we can find ourselves right in the middle of this scripture. We don't have to look and say, well, Exodus 6, 7 is talking about the Egyptians. No, we're not talking about the Egyptians nor Jewish people. We're talking about the body of Christ. And the beautiful thing here through Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 through 18, is that we see that if our faith, hope, and trust is in Jesus and him alone, then you and I have a covenant with God. Let's pay attention. Uh, Ephesians 2, 14 through 18 says this, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinance that he might create in himself one new man in peace of two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. 
What is that simply saying, church, is that through Jesus' atoning work on the cross, he paid the penalty for each and every one of our sins. And those who believe in Jesus are called to a covenant relationship with him. And check this, i.e. other people. It's not just you come into a covenant with God, but you come into a new covenant with man and with people. Whether you like it or not, we're called to do life together. We're called to this thing called unity. And Jesus gives the, the church the covenant of unity and that it is our responsibility to commit to unity. It's not our job to commit to our feelings and how we feel today. It's that day. It's called to unity. What is going to unify us through the body of Christ? What is the bigger picture? Later in that same passage, Jesus goes on to say, to, in that letter, I'm sorry, Paul continues on in that letter in Ephesians 4, 3, and he says this, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of, in the bond of peace. Be eager to maintain the unity in the spirit in the bond of peace. It is your job and it is my job to drive everything that we do to make sure we keep, fam keep uh, unity within this family. It's not our opinions, it's not this or that, it's not the left, it's not the right, it's not blue, it's not red, it's not anything of that. It is our job to make sure we maintain peace. Everybody say peace. It is our job to maintain peace. And when the family of God does life together, together unity will be tested. It's not going to be perfect, church. It's not going to be this, oh, this is how I feel today and, oh, that didn't work out, so I'm leaving. No, it, it's, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be roses and daisies. It's not going to be that. In the same form of covenant, in the same form of unity comes in the form of a marriage. When, how many married people do I have here? Plenty, right? Amen. Somebody celebrated. Two people. Everybody else, we'll pray together. Amen. That same covenant of marriage is the same thing we're seeing here through this covenant. When you get married, and maybe you're not married today, but God has that for you in the near future. When you get married, you stand before a pastor. You stand before friends, family, your spouse, everybody. And you make a covenant between that, your spouse and before God. And just like in a marriage, things are not going to be perfect. Things will not be how you want them to be. Monday might be planned to be a great day, but it might be the worst day. But guess what? On Tuesday, you got to commit to that covenant. And it's the same concept when we talk about the unity in the body of Christ. Why? Because relationships left unmaintained do not drift towards unity. In fact, uh, relationships that are left unmaintained goes towards division and, and distance from one another. It's so crazy when you think about it in that lens that if you don't maintain something, it's like a rose, right? If you don't trim a rose, what's going to happen? It's going to die. You got to maintain it. You got to work at it. You got to keep at it. And it's each person in the church, in this church family. We all have to do our part to make sure we're keeping the bond of peace, keeping that spirit intact because it is what God has called us to. Whether that means keeping short accounts, freely forgiving, working towards reconciliation, communicating hurts and feelings, whatever that may look like, we need to make sure we are working towards the pleasure of the gift of unity. So I have a question here for you today. Are you committed to unity with God through Christ? Have you trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Are you daily committing to prayer and personal devotion with him? The second question here for you today is, are you committing to unity within the family of God? Are there relationships within this church body, within this church family that are in need of reconciliation from you? Do you need to seek it from somebody? 
Do you need to just cry out to God and ask for uh, repentance with him? Whatever the case may be, we need to make sure we're doing all that we have to do to maintain the bond of peace. And point number three today is come be refreshed. Come and be refreshed. Psalms 133 and 2 says this, it is like the precious oil on the the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. And it is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. This experience of unity, the the, the experience of unity is the uh, anointing of the precious oil. And if you don't get that concept or understand what he's saying here is, uh, when you think of the bond, uh, when you think of the peace and the dwelling and the, the beauty of coming together as believers, when you picture that, right, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. When you think of that, David wants us to pay attention to, in this time, what, what, what would happen is there were priests who would get anointed. And the priest would stand in the gap for the people of God. The priest would be the one who talks to God on behalf of the people. He would be the one who presents the word of God to the people. And and so David is referring back to the Old Testament where Moses anointed Aaron's head. And it flowed so much down his head that it hit his beard. And once it dripped off of his beard, it poured through his clothes like no other. What is he talking about? He's simply saying when we come together in unity and dwelling together, people will see it from afar. People will notice it. It won't just be something that's boxed in and it's unity in our own little corner or anything like that. No, it will be drenching over us. This, this is our heart. This is our being. It is who we are. And then he goes on to bring this analogy of the mountain. This mountain is considered to be, uh, you could see it from 60 plus miles away. It's a huge mountain, so I could imagine David is sitting there and he's writing this psalm. And as he's writing it and he's talking about the oil falling off of Aaron's beard, he's talking about, then he turns to the mountain and he says, it's like the dew on the mountain, which is the mountain of Zion. And he's talking about how big it is. You just see it. The the, the unity that you and I and the church and the body of believers should have should not be one that a a non-Christian or a sinner would have to come in here to witness. No, they would witness it in our neighborhoods. They would witness it on the highways and the byways. They would witness it in the workplace. They would witness it far off. Why? Because it's that good. It is that pleasant. And when you see it, you notice something different about it. That's not a normal church. That's not a normal Woodside campus. It's something far off and different, but it's amazing. And David is trying to get us this, to see this picture and this unity that is also so sweet. And it's not just this concept that we should dwell together. Oh, it, it's kind of pleasant. It's kind of good. No, it's amazing. And it's like oil. And it's not the typical oil that you can think of today. This oil back then, they put time into it. It was stored. It, was, it smelled pretty. It was beautiful. And when it happens, it, it lingered. People knew that a priest was by. Uh, They knew a priest had just left a room, and that's what that unity for you and I should look like. When we leave a place, people should know we're believers. When we leave a place, people should know that, hey, they don't agree here, but, man, I love their love for one another. It's an amazing thing that he's trying to get us to see, and the beautiful thing that he's trying to paint is that it is God's abundant covering of our sin. When we, we, we come together in unity, this illustration is just talking about the abundant grace of Christ. It's simply that. 
And this extravagant measure that he went through uh, to, to pull this first, uh, uh, furthermore comes through the common salvation that we know. And it's not common, don't get me wrong by any means, but it's talking about the blood of Jesus. Jesus, God went so far that to pull this analogy out to, to show you how extravagant he would go with his grace and his abundant, his abundant grace for us. It comes through Jesus' blood on the cross, church. It's beautiful. It's amazing. This is what it means to be uh, living in unity, living together, coming to be refreshed when we come in, we should come in to be uh, geared up to go out and share the love of Jesus. This is what it means. Lastly, I want to talk to you about this. A couple years ago, I went, I, went, uh, I went hiking. And I'm a little boy from Pontiac, and I don't belong on nobody's mountain. You hear me, amen, amen? I don't belong on nobody's mountain. My buddy and I from Troy, he goes to the Troy campus, Richard, shout out to him. Uh, the, the beautiful thing about this guy is that uh, we went and he's just random, okay. We went to New Hampshire for a wedding. We were supposed to be driving back home. He's like, hey, bro, let's go hiking. I just brought dancing shoes. That was all I brought. I didn't bring, I don't know what you'd need on a hiking trip. I didn't think to Google it, nothing. And I can't even think of the mountain, but it was so high up. But let me tell you, I was never prepared for this hike. I had no business being on this mountain, church. And just paint this picture with me outside of my story. Could you imagine hiking on a mountain? Let's just say it was a five-mile hike. And halfway through this hike, two and a half miles in, you realize, I didn't bring water. I, I don't have water, but I want to go because it's a beautiful thing. It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I got to keep going. And you notice somebody coming towards you. You don't have water. You don't have anything. And you just ask them, hey, hey, can I, can I get some of that water? They have more than enough and they share that water with you. You take a sip and guess what? That water refreshes you. That water rejuvenates you. It gives you every and anything that you need to finish this hike, to finish your mark, to finish your race. Many people, church, even you at home on Facebook, there's many people just like that on their spiritual journey. They're going through so much. They're doing so much and they're, they're fatigued. They're tired. They're trying to do it in their own might. They have no idea what the next day is going to bring. They think it's money. They think it's clothes. They think it's jobs. They think it's all of this. It has nothing to do with that, church. And on a day-to-day -day basis, you and I, were climbing mountains. We're trying to do it in our own work. We're trying to do it on our own. But pay attention to what John chapter 7 and verse 37 through 8, 38 says. It says this. This is Jesus. And he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, church. What an amazing promise that we see about Jesus when we place our faith, our hope, and trust in him and him alone. And let me tell you, I can preach, I, Ryan, Pastor Ryan can come up here, we could preach all day about unity. But it means absolutely nothing if you're not going to put in the work. It means absolutely nothing if you have not put your hope, faith, and trust in him. And then when we do that, from our hearts will flow rivers, church. He is the living source. He is the living water. So, yeah, we might talk about what it means to come into the family, come with harmony and come and be refreshed. But you need to be refreshed through Jesus and him alone. 
Church, if you haven't put your faith, hope, and trust in him, there's no way you can walk in harmony. There's no way you can be a part of this family because that's the start. you got to put your faith and trust in him. And then will we ever for, for always and ever see this form of unity, this form of a bond. So church, if that's you today, if you have been wrestling on your own, if you've been trying to do it on your own, enough is enough. It's time that you tap into the ultimate source. It's time that you tap into the one who can. As the worship team comes out, I want you to gear your mind towards this form of unity. And it's simply put, it only comes when we put our hope, faith, and trust in Jesus Christ. As we close here today, I want you to know that being a part of the family of God is way better than anything in life you could ever experience. It's better than anything you could ever experience. I remember growing up and uh, going to family reunions every year. I know some people do it every five or ten. My family in the South, it's an every year mandate. And just like my family in the South Church, it's an everyday mandate for us. It's not something that you tap in today, get rejuvenated, get refreshed, and then you leave for a little bit, but then you come back when you... No, we need constant community. This is why we need to be in a life group, because you need people. How good and pleasant is it that you can go to a brother and say, hey, brother, I can't have this conversation with my wife, but I can have it with you. I need you to pray for me. I need you to seek God on my behalf. Join in with me on this thing. That's the beauty of it, church. It's not for numbers. It's not for anything. It's because we need people. I don't know about you, but the beautiful thing that we see here is that uh, through this pandemic, it's very clear and it's very evident if you look at the numbers. They're, the death rate and mental illness have spiked. It's spiked, church. Why has it spiked? It's spiked simply because we were never meant to do life alone. We need people, church. Amen. It's not just on a Sunday. So maybe today you need to come and do business with God and figure that out in your heart because you've been in force, forcefully holding yourself in isolation. Oh, I'm good. I'm big. I'm bad. I can do it on my own. I don't need to show emotion. I don't need to confide in somebody. I don't need to tell them, church, that's a lie from hell. We need people. And whether that's you in a couple steps today, maybe, maybe you haven't put your hope and trust in Jesus. Start there. Put your hope, faith, and trust in him and him alone today. But maybe you're past that. Maybe you've just been stagnant. You've been coming to church and you need to do something more. Maybe that's for you. Maybe that's going to next step's pathway. Maybe that's you talking to Pastor Ryan or the deacons and our elders and you're figuring out what does it mean for you to be a part of this local assembly? What does it mean for you to realize that you are built for so much more than just a Sunday? And maybe that's not you. Maybe you just need to join a group. Maybe you know the Lord. Maybe you've been attending and you're still stagnant in that. And you just feel like coming in with your spouse and going to get your own lunch at the end of the day is all you need. Church, maybe today you need to join a, a group. Whatever the case may be, the doors of the church are open. Why? Because this is what God calls us to do. How good and how pleasant is it when we dwell together in unity? And I don't know what version of the Bible you read today, but my Bible did not say on Sunday only. It's life, church. 
It is my prayer, I know it is Pastor Ryan's prayers, he communicates it to our prayer team and our staff all the time, that we are called to be a spiritual family on mission. And if you don't know what that looks like today, I pray that you would get in touch with, uh, with God today. Open up your heart and ask him what that next step is for you. Let us pray. Dear Holy and Heavenly Father, we thank you today. Father, we are so grateful that you give us an opportunity like this to call on your great name. Father, to open up your sacred scriptures and realize, Father, that it's a beautiful and pleasant, amazing thing when we dwell together in unity. Father, I pray that we would continue to know that it's beyond a Sunday. We're built for so much more. And Father, that we could open up our hearts and open up our minds to you today and realize that you're drawing us into spiritual family on mission. Father, we love you. We thank you. We give you all the honor and glory to you and you alone, which is due. It's in Jesus' miraculous name that we pray. Amen and amen. Go ahead and stand with us as we worship church. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.